Assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here it is hard line. Let's go! from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He is in charge. He's in the captain's chair. He's at the helm. Therefore, he is behind the wheel steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to his hard line. Well, today is Tuesday, October 24th, 2023, and yes, you are listening to episode 622, and this is uh, part A, we'll be doing a reading out of Job chapter 20, and part B is going to be called, What's Continuity of Government? What's Continuity of Government? So let's get right into the daily disclaimer first. I want to clarify that I am not a Doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, pastor, priest, deacon, biblical scholar, or bar lawyer, and I do not possess any titles of nobility or offer legal advice. And furthermore, I do not have a political degree or have any involvement with any unconstitutional three-letter corrupt agencies like the CIA or FBI. And while I am a member of the Michigan General 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 Assembly, I am not the official face or voice of the National State or County Assembly, and I also want to emphasize that I have no affiliation with other groups who try to mimic the lawful assembly, such as the American States Assembly, uh, National Liberty. Uh, What else is there? Oh, Life Force, Beacon 37, RUSA, and yes, Tactical Civics, and any other organizations out there who try or who are basically outside of the Michigan model. 
Now, I'm also not involved in any fraudulent status correcting associated with AVR, Bobby Lawrence, and David Street and & Company. And furthermore, I do not endorse or advocate for violence. And I am not a party to any deep state cult of Freemasons, nor am I one of the many reprobative miscreants who are actively trying to implode the General Assemblies across this land. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational purposes, unless otherwise referenced. So there you go. All right. So how's everybody doing today? I hope everybody is having a fantastic day. Um, you know, just a curiosity. Let's see what's going on on the Gateway Pundit out of curiosity. I have not really skimmed mainstream news, if you will, in quite some time. I guess what? What's going on with the speakers race? I guess that's still kind of a dud, right? There's nothing going on there, which I think is comical, to be honest with you, because they're not going to be able to do anything in that de facto circus show that they call Congress. Well, I think that's amazing. I absolutely think that's amazing. Uh, let's see here. There's an article here. It says six GOP lawmakers jump into the speaker's race after Trump scalps Emmer. Oh, lovely. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Hamas documented atrocities footage released by Israel of barbaric attacks on innocent civilians warning on content. Yeah. Okay. We're just going to move on to the next one. <clears throat> what else we got here? Um, boy, I tell you, these headlines are kind of stupid. Prime Minister Kishida vows to cut taxes to households and businesses in a bid to raise Japan's out of economic stagnation. Well, that's nice. That's nice. I'd like to see taxes get cut here on the home front. What about you guys? I'm tired of paying these taxes. Oh, uh, let's see. We're skimming. We're skimming. Is there anything really good? Let's see. Tom Emmer drops out of the speaker race. Conservatives win. Yeah, yeehaw. I tell you, see, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If you're still caught up in the conservative liberal, you know, debate or, you know, you're still caught up in, you know, right versus left or blue versus red or Republican versus Democrat, whatever, you're clearly not paying attention. You're, you're missing the mark. You are missing the mark. Um, we are in a fight for our country, for freedom. And at the end of the day, it does not matter what the hell your ideologies are. It's a matter of doing what's right, period. Okay? Ideologies be damned. It's about following a higher moral fiber that's deep within your being that God instilled in you. And if you don't have that, well, then you're not on my side. All right? You're not on the side of righteousness. Stop getting involved in a whole Republican and Democrat bullcrap because that, that's all it is. It's crap. Uh, let's see. What else are we seeing here in the headlines, uh, the noisy headlines of the day? Uh, what is this? Off-duty pilot facing 83 attempt. What? 83 attempted murder charges for trying to shut off plane engines in mid-flight took a psychedelic mushrooms? Whoa. Let's click on that for a minute. What airline was this? Let's see. Joseph David Emerson, the off-duty pilot who tried to shut off the plane's engines mid-flight took psychedelic mushrooms, court documents say. Uh, does it say what airline this is? On October 22nd, Alaska Airlines. There you go, Destry. <laughs> 
on, I mean, it's not funny. That's actually scary crap. But yeah, on October 22nd, Alaska Airlines Flight 2059 operated by Horizon Air from Everett, Washington to San Francisco reported a credible security threat related to an authorized occupant in the flight deck jump seat. Alaska Airlines said that the crew secured the aircraft without incident. And it turns out the man who posed the security threat was an off-duty pilot. The two pilots in the cockpit immediately jumped into action, neutralized the threat, and removed the man from the cockpit. Emerson, who's 44 years old, was arrested and charged with attempted murder after he tried to shut off the airplane's engines in mid-flight. Well, what are we learning from this, ladies and gentlemen? Drugs are bad, okay? Drugs are very bad. I, I, that's that's just astounding to me. <laughs> yeah, it was an off-duty pilot who was sitting in the jump seat, apparently made his way into the cockpit, tried to shut the engines off. Obviously, he was very unsuccessful, but what a moron. What a moron. Like, what did he think would, would happen? I mean, <laughs> this is why we don't do drugs, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's back out of this article. That's amazing. That is amazing. See, people, when, when you think it doesn't get any crazier, there you go. You get an off-duty pilot on an Alaskan airline who tries to shut off engines mid-flight with 83 passengers on board. Wow. <laughs> I bet those people were pooping their pants if they figured that out. Uh, let's see here. Reporter confronts KGP uh on the impact of rising oil prices that gives iran enough money to fund terrorist groups okay that just sounds like noise oh joe biden looks to his handler for help after wrapping up awkward award ceremony oh you mean fake joe biden okay uh what else we got here uh okay okay what is this barack obama slams israel response to hamas terror attack okay this is all this crap it's all it's noise it's all noise all noise and it's complete horse crap i'm still scrolling thinking something's going to be good but apparently not whoa what is this highway apocalypse 158 cars crashed during a super fog conditions in louisiana on monday killing oh no that's not good killing at least seven people wow that is astounding that is absolutely astounding well we will keep those people in our prayers that is not a good way to start your week wow anyway i think that's all there is i'm i i keep scrolling like i'm gonna find something good here but i'm not so we're just gonna uh exit out of this window there we go okay so uh let's see Destry was saying had a couple crazy alaskan airline incidents lately <laughs> uh my wife was saying he was just trying to forget the snow. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. A after reading that story about that off duty pilot, I don't know if I really want to fly up there. It sounds like you guys got some crazies up there on uh, working the airlines in Alaska. They're Destry. I mean, what's going on up there? What's going on up there? Snow getting to people already. That's some scary stuff, man. All right. Let's get into the reading Job chapter 20. Uh, this would be Zophar's uh, second speech. All right. Zophar's second speech. And um, <laughs> Destry says it's not boring for sure. <laughs> I bet. All right. Starting with verse one. Then Zophar, the Nemiathite, uh, answered and said, So now my thoughts provide an answer for me because of the feelings within me. 
a rebuke that puts me to shame, I hear, and from my understanding, a spirit gives me a reply. Do not know this from of old, since human beings were placed upon the earth. The triumph of the wicked is short, and the joy of the impious but for a moment. Though his pride mount up to the heavens, and his head reach to the clouds, yet he perishes forever like the dung he uses for fuel, and onlookers say, Where is he? Like a dream, he takes flight and cannot be found. He fades away like a vision on the night. The eye which saw him does so no more, nor shall his dwelling again behold him. His sons will restore to the poor, and his hands will yield up his riches. And though his bones are full of youthful vigor, it shall lie with him in the dust. Though wickedness is sweet in his mouth, and he hides it under his tongue, though he retains it and will not let it go, but keeps it still within his mouth, yet in his stomach the food shall turn. It shall be venom of asps inside him. The riches he swallowed, he shall vomit up. God shall make his belly disgorge them. The poison of asp shall he shall drink in. The viper's fangs shall slay him. He shall see no streams of oil, no torrents of honey or milk. He shall give back his gain never used like his profit from trade never enjoyed because he oppressed and neglected the poor and stolen a house that he did not build. For he has known no quiet in his greed. In his treasure he cannot save himself, and none of his survivors will consume it. Therefore his prosperity shall not endure. When he has more than enough, distress shall be his every sort of trouble shall come upon him. And when he has filled his belly, God shall send against him the fury of his wrath and rain down his missiles upon him. Now should he escape an iron weapon, a bronze bow shall pierce him through. And the dart shall come out of his back, a shining point out of his gallbladder, Terrors fall upon him, and complete darkness is in store for his treasured ones. A fire unfanned shall consume him. Any survivor in his tent shall be destroyed. The heavens shall reveal his guilt, and the earth rise up against him. The flood shall sweep away his house, torrents in the day of God's anger. This is the portion of the wicked, the heritage appointed by God. And that is the reading of Job chapter 20. Job chapter 20 is what we just got done reading there. Now, in Zophar's second speech here, we are presented. Hold on a second, guys. Just making sure my phone phone was acting a little goopy. We are presented with a vivid portrayal of the fate that befalls the wicked and the consequences of their actions. Now, Zophar's words reminds us that the wicked, despite their apparent success and pride, right? And I'm sure we all feel like that right now with some of the deep state that's still out and about. You know, we feel like that they uh, they still have an apparent success. But despite their apparent success and pride, f- they face a destiny that's filled with despair and divine retribution. Now, this passage offers profound lessons that prompt us to reflect on the transient nature of wickedness, right? The existence of divine justice and the calamitous outcomes of unrighteous deeds. So what I want to do, let's dig into some of the key lessons that we can take away from this, from this reading here, right? And see how this can guide us in our own lives. Now, lesson number one, 
we get into temporal nature of wickedness. See, Zophar emphasizes the fleeting nature of the triumph and joy of the wicked. Now, this reminds us that short-term gains through deceit or wrongdoing may not lead to lasting happiness. Then there's the lesson of divine justice. Now, the passage underscores the concept of divine justice. Now, even if the wicked seems to escape earthly consequences, right? And it certainly shows, you know, seems like that, right? In, in our, in our, in our, you know, in our vision, there is a belief that God, with his higher power, will ultimately judge their actions, right? He will ultimately judge their actions. And that should encourage faith in the idea that justice even though delayed, will prevail. And I've always said that. I've always said that. I've always said that to my wife. And if I had her on the air right now, she would even say that. I've always said that to her. I said, just because you're not seeing justice being served does not mean it's not going to be served. It will prevail. You may not see it through, but one way or another, God will make sure he sees it through. Another lesson that we can take away from here is uh, consequences of what happens, you know, when we partake in greed and oppression. Because Zophar's speech here serves as a warning against greed, oppression, and let's not forget the neglect of the poor. Because it highlights the idea that those who hoard wealth at the expense of others Make no mistake, they will face severe consequences, including the loss of their ill-gotten gains. Look, God giveth, God can taketh away, right? Right? The other lesson, the fourth lesson that we can take away from this reading is the inescapability of guilt. Let me repeat that, the inescapability of guilt. Because this reading here describes how the wicked cannot escape their guilt and their wrongdoings. This can be seen as a call for individuals to confront their own actions and seek redemption rather than trying to hide their misdeeds. Remember, God sees all. You ain't going to hide from them. Then there's the lesson of mortality and humility. Because in Zophar's description of the wicked perishing and being forgotten serves as a reminder of human mortality. And it should encourage humility and suggest that no matter how high one's pride may soar, remember, we all return to dust. Then there's the need for compassion. The mention of the wicked's sons restoring to the poor and returning riches serves as a call to compassion and social responsibility. It encourages the idea that wealth should be used to benefit others and the community. Now, hold on a second, Jason. What you're talking about there, that sounds a lot like socialism. No, 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 no. Quite the contrary. Because here's the thing. When we have more in abundance in our own pockets, if you are serving God, right, and you are just, you have a, a loving heart and you have Christ in your heart, naturally, you're going to want to take that abundance and you're going to want to spread it to those who are less fortunate. I know that's how I feel. It's not forced that you have to share it, but when you have more wealth, 
yeah, you feel the need to want to benefit others in your community. Then there's the peril of unbridled ambition. Because the passage warns us against relentless ambition and the unending desire for more, right? We all want more, more. We, we never have enough, right? We never, look, I fall victim to that. I shouldn't say fall victim, but I allow myself to <sighs> always want more. I'm not proud of it, but it happens, right? Destry was just putting right here in the chat, do unto others as you would have done unto you, even giving the gift, right? Do unto others as you would have done unto you. Now that right there encapsulates the golden rule, right? We all know the golden rule, but the other day on my podcast, I was talking about the platinum rule because sometimes people don't really respect themselves enough to know how they want to be treated. So the platinum rule is treat others as you think they want to be treated. Do you think they want to be treated with respect? Most, most chances are, yeah, I think they do. I don't care who they are. Nobody likes feeling like being treated like crap. And then the last, I think the last lesson that can be taken from this is the, what, what happens with a catastrophic, you know, with, with catastrophic consequences of wrongdoings. See, Zophar's vivid descriptions of calamities and destruction emphasize the potential disastrous outcome of wicked actions. And it reminds us of the far reaching impact of our choices. So in summary, this passage from Zophar's speech in the book of Job offers a reflection on the consequences of wickedness and the importance of living a just, compassionate, and humble life with a belief in divine justice. And it serves as a moral and a spiritual guide encouraging you know, the, the, the readers here in this passage to contemplate the nature of their own actions and their own consequences. So what we're going to do is we're going to close this out in prayer for part A of the show, and then we'll take a quick little little break, and then we'll proceed into part B of the show, what's continuity of government. So without further ado, let's pray. So dear Heavenly Father, we come to you and we seek your guidance as always. We seek your wisdom as always in our own lives. And we ask that you grant us discernment to make choices that align with your will. In times of uncertainty, your wisdom illuminate our path. We want to lift up those that are in need of healing, whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual, right? Touch them with your restorative grace and bring comfort to their hearts. Father, we also ask that as a nation, we seek unity and restoration as we reassemble our states. May the people, the inhabitants of this country, right, our, our, our people who are reassembling, may they all come together in their local communities, in their counties, in their states, and work together in true harmony 
true harmony. Not the harmony that only aligns with their agenda, but I mean true harmony, working towards the common good for all people. And we pray for those enduring economic hardships, and we just ask that their financial situations may be eventually restored at some point here in the future. And lastly, we lift up those that are experiencing marital issues. Grant them the strength to mend their relationships, and may your love and understanding guide their way. And we pray all of these We pray all these prayers in your holy son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. So that concludes the part A of episode 622. We are going to take a quick short break. I'm going to wet the whistle down with a little bit of water, and then we'll continue on the other side here for part B. What's continuity of government? So what is continuity of government? What is continuity of government? So FEMA focuses on the concept of continuity of operations planning, also known as a COOP. A COOP. Right? And And basically what this is, it's a crucial aspect of ensuring the resilience and continuity of essential functions within government organizations. Now, as we all experienced at the beginning, the first week of October here, we saw that uh, that emergency alert system test that went out, right? That was done uh in, in conjunction with between FEMA and the FCC. It was the first one of its kind ever done, right? A test. That's like the, basically what they did was uh, they tested out the, uh, it used to be called the presidential alert system, right? Now, obviously it's not called that anymore, but that's what they did. And FEMA's guidelines and program, and, and keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, FEMA is working with commander in chief Trump. Okay. Is they are working with Commander in Chief Trump. It is not the FEMA that we have always been scared of and doom and gloom and you know being put in concentration camp. It's no, 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 no. All right, but FEMA's guidelines and programs aim to address various scenarios, including those involving natural disasters, right? Emergencies or other disruptive events, perhaps maybe like a near-death event of a nation, right? A scare event that we keep talking about, that we keep hearing about, right? I mean, look, we are approaching 2024. 
And what happened in 2020 during that presidential election year? COVID, right? COVID happened. And so 2024, we need to be on guard. So let's get into a little bit more of a detailed explanation of FEMA's continuity planning and how it functions. So there's four phases of continuity. The first part is readiness and preparedness, right? This phase involves um, activities like developing and reviewing continuity plans, right? Risk management, establishing orders of secession. Uh, it ensures that organizations are ready to respond to continuity events. Um, the next part of it is activation, right? Activation. Now, this phase involves putting, you know, putting continuity plans and procedures into actions when an event occurs. And it is the phase where essential functions are maintained. Now, the third phase is continuity operations. Now, during this phase, essential functions are performed. And so that includes accountability, right? Communication, um, and preparations for recon, uh, reconstitution, right? We keep hearing that word reconstitution. If you listen to Derek Johnson, we keep hearing reconstitution, reconstitution, which that actually is the, uh, the, the last phase, right? Reconstitution. So reconstitution involves returning to normal operations after an event. Now, this phase aims to restore regular business operations. Now, we will get into what reconstitution is a little bit more in a moment. But next, the, the other part I want to talk about here is FEMA's national continuity program. So FEMA's role is to support and guide government agencies at all levels in maintaining essential functions under all conditions, right? So this would include providing guidance, uh, training, uh, and support to federal, state, local, and even tribal and territorial governments, as well as non-governmental stakeholders. Then you have the goal of continuity. Now, what's the primary goal of continuity planning? Well, what, what the goal is, is it's to ensure the seamless and immediate continuation of essential functions under all conditions. Now, this is important for maintaining government operations and services during crises. Now, there's also another aspect of this, which is continuity program management. So there's key elements of continuity program management include uh, leadership, right? Staff communications and facilities. Now, the program is built on the foundation of continuity planning and focuses on essential functions, uh, orders of succession, right? Delegations of authority, communications, records management, right? Records management, very important. Alternate locations, human resources, devolution. That's another thing we keep hearing, right? That's another thing we keep hearing from Derek Johnson. Devolution, reconstitution, and testing and training. And yeah, Destry is absolutely right. He says FEMA can put out all that fancy crap, but it takes weeks to get bottled water in those in need. <laughs> That's for sure. That's no kidding. That is absolutely no kidding. And then there's the continuity guidance circular and toolkit, right? Or FEMA provides resources like the continuity guidance circular, 
uh, and the Continuity Resource Toolkit to assist organizations in developing and maintaining effective continuity programs. Now, these resources serve as uh, references and provide tools and templates for continuity planning. Now, let's kind of touch on the reconstitution for a second because we keep hearing Derek Johnson discuss this um, on a few of his videos that he does, you know, with other shows. And I'm trying to reach out to this guy and look, if somebody else has better luck than I do, by all means, can you get us connected? Because I'm trying to get Derek Johnson on the horn with Destry. All right. I don't even need to talk to the guy, but I think it would be a good show to have, you know, Derek and Destry on the same platform, right? exchanging ideas of what we have going on on the assembly side and what's going on with restoring our de jure, right? Our constitutional, you know, Republic and how that fits in, you know, with the 21 requisitions that were put forward by the people in assembly and what that looks like from Derek's side of, you know, the fence when it comes to military law and what he's been seeing and how he perceives things. I think that would be an excellent, conversation to listen to if you ask me now reconstitution well first off let's do this um hold on a second let me find the video let me play this audio clip it's about uh, i'm going to touch on it off and on I mean, the, oh hold on so hold on you have no, your no, no 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 i hold on hold on hold on wasn't ready for you derek let's play this real quick okay so like I said, it's about four minutes, but we're going to, you know, I'm going to pause it off and on here, but just give this a listen to real quick. This was one of the shows that he was on. I can't remember the show. Uh, I think it's, and we know us on rumble. It's like a situation update show that Derek Johnson was on. Just give him, just give this a listen to cut one. I mean the, so you have your Federal Continuity Directive 1 and 2, but then there's yeah. been six publications under that. All right, one of the publications was January the 15th, 2021. Here's another question where you flip it on people and go, yeah. why all of a sudden, why all of a sudden do we have a publication now, bipartisan publication, that says reconstitution of the executive branch? And think how many people were distracted during January 2021. They distracted them with devolution on purpose. But the actual legislation over here has a publication called Reconstitution of the Executive Branch, the President, the Vice President, and the Cabinet, right? And in bullet point 2.3 of that whole publication, why, would, why all of a sudden in history would they be talking about this? Now listen to this. It says specifically, when the new seat of government cannot be established in Washington, D.C., Congress, with its enumerated powers, will get with the states to reissue a new seat of government and procurement and construction can begin. So while now, did you hear what he said? Let me replay that section for us for a minute. Hold on. We'll get with the states to when the new seat of government cannot be established in Washington, DC Congress with its enumerated powers will get with the states to reissue a new seat of government and procurement and construction can begin. Now, this is one of the biggest reasons why, ladies and gentlemen, why we have to get our assemblies stood up in all 50 states. See, we're in interim status right now, and 
we're going to remain there unless we get our act together and start getting our 30 plus people in all 50 states. Okay. We need to get our state assemblies stood up. Destry was saying that Derek Johnson is on Twitter slash X and I have been planting seeds in his post comments and I go by national assembly one on Twitter slash X. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're on X or Twitter or whatever the hell it's called, um, follow Derek Johnson, but look for national assemble or uh, uh, see national. So it's spelled N A T I O N A L. So national and then A S S E M B one national assemble one it's on twitter okay um he says if we could get enough people telling him he should contact me i'm gonna try to reach out on um on truth social because he has his comments turned off i don't know if he's got a chat page um on telegram because you can't really make comments on there at least not that i let, let me look i don't think you can let me go to it hold on a second rattle trap 1776 no all you can do is just you know do like you know hearts and thumbs ups and stuff like that so i'm gonna try to reach out to him on his website i guess he's got an email um i'm sure he's got a you know what do you call it a gatekeeper if you will right so i'm gonna try to reach out to him like look you really need to have a conversation with this guy by the name of Destry Payne. Um, I have a podcast. It's nothing like, you know, I'm, I'm not a Joe Rogan or anything, but, you know, we, we have a nice little sliver of, you know, Internet over here, almost 100,000 downloads, you know, and still growing. You know, it's nothing to shake a stick at, you know, not bad, not bad for being a nobody. Right. I mean, shoot, I'm still a nobody. Um, but, yeah, we just want to have a conversation with him and, you know, and, and just, you know, find that synergy. Right. Find that synergy of what's happening with the assembly versus what he sees on his side of the fence when it comes to the military directives and military law continuing, continuing this video. So while you mentioned that before, we to, let me just hold on for just a minute. Just hold on for a second. Where is that only written in the law of war manual or, or the continuity of government? Or was that in some founding document? What, where was that initially? No, that's the, uh, that's actually in the, the publication under one of the continuity directives that okay, was put so out. that was pre-written recently before trump came down the escalator i guess you would no, say no no that no this so you have so you have two uh what i call canopy or umbrella issues your federal continuity okay. directive one yep anywhere 17 2017 it's called the outline okay. federal continuity directive two was issued june 13 2017 it's called the implementation phase, the operational okay. dates of those were 2018 to 2022. And then the implementation was 2020 to 2024. There's been six publications under those since those came out. And the most recent was July, 2023. But the one I'm talking about was January the 15th, 2021. So five days before people thought they saw Donald Trump walk off and, and, and Biden right. be inaugurated. So five days before this publication comes out and it talks about reconstitution of the executive branch. And that's where people, you know, I, I have to just quote facts. That's what I do. But you go to Google, uh, 68, somewhere between 68 and 75 percent of our 332 million population cannot even name the three branches of government. Yeah. So, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what did he say? Hold on. 
legal. Uh, 68, somewhere between 68 and 75 percent of our 332 million population cannot even name the three branches of government. Wow. Wow. And he needs to also know that there's not just three branches of government. Obviously, there are five if you are in the assembly. All right. The people. All right. In general assembly, the people is the first and largest number one, because they are the ones that can that have created government. That's number one. The people have created the legislative, judicial and executive branches. What is the other branch of government? Oh, that that's right. The common law grand juries. Then that serves as the buffer between the bottom three branches of government, which would be the legislature, judicial and executive branches from usurping their power against the large branch of government, which is above the common law grand juries, right? The people, the people and Destry even puts a little, a little stat here. He goes 0.001% can name the five branches of government. So while 67% of Americans, we'll just call it 70 for round number purposes, can't even list off legislature, judicial, or executive branches of government. Yeah, he's absolutely right. 0.001%. Shoot, and I'd be willing to bet that that percentage, and he's probably being gracious with that percentage. I think that percentage is even lower. I think it's 0.000000001% can list those. Sorry, I'm, I'm like got caught up uh, reading here. Um, so anyway, continuing on here. Yeah. So wow. when you, so when you, and that's not knocking your question, but when you ask, do Congress know what's going on? Yes, they know because that's the legislative branch. So they absolutely know what's going on. This is an yeah. operation. Well, and Trump, Trump used his own calm on the day on the twentieth as he's getting ready to board Air Force One for a free ride or whatever. He said, "We're going to be back again in some form." That's really what he was saying. He was saying this thing that was written a few days ago and launched or published. Well, he just said in South Carolina just a few weeks ago, he said in less than five months, we're going to take our nation back from Joe Biden. Oh, did you guys hear that? Uh, I forgot when, how long ago that speech was, but did you just hear what he said? Well, let's replay that real quick. Go and launch or published. Well, he just said in South Carolina just a few weeks ago, he said in less than five months, we're going to take our nation back from Joe Biden. I don't know what that looks like, and I don't know what he's talking about there, but boy, oh boy, I would be very inclined to see what that does look like. Come on back. Right. Okay. What does that bring us to? February or something, wasn't it? Well, yeah, and the original inauguration date in U.S. history, which changed under Franklin D. Roosevelt, was March the 4th. uh, So, March the 4th. Um, So... Who knows? I mean, I you know, I'm, I tell people, look, what I'm doing is showing people without predictions or dates or, yeah. you know, trying to go by any kind of experience, uh, which I don't claim to be an expert on everything because I'm not. I'm just saying, look, this is your everyday legislation. When you piece it together, I'm going by everything that's already happened. Um, and then but once you learn certain terminology, when a nugget comes out like today, for example, McCarthy, there's a video of McCarthy saying, well, the president has an order of succession and da 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 and he said, goes on and then he goes, and if something happens, then that person has to be in place for the continuity government. <laughs> I mean, he tells you, they tell you, with, they tell you without telling you, you know, yeah. so. So um, 
that's very interesting. So we're going to get into that whole reconstitution thing, but I don't want to glance over this uh, this comment that Rietta has here in the chat. Uh, let me read this real quick. So she says, she says, last night at our Patriot meeting, our guest speaker said anyone who has renounced their citizenship is not allowed to own a gun. Now, the whole renouncing your citizenship, that's a whole different ballgame. But I do know, I don't know about that, but I do know that uh, if I recall correctly, and this is based off of conversations that I've had with a few people that I know that um, know somebody firsthand who actually status corrected. um, Yeah, somebody who always bought guns, bought and purchased guns at gun shows, at gun stores, right? They have an arsenal in their collection. And now because they did that, what is it? The affidavit of repudiation, right? Re- re- doing that status correction. Oh boy. Guess what? The guy or gal, I don't even know if it was a guy or a gal, but that person who ended up uh, having an arsenal can no longer add on to that arsenal. Now that they did that status correction. And so I would say, yes, that's true. And Destry just chimed in. He said, yes, that is true. I've spoken with a couple who denied, who were denied because of status correction. And one was a gun store owner. Was a gun store owner. owner. Keyword was. So be buyers beware, folks. Okay, buyers beware when it comes to that. They're, 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 these people are, are preying on unsuspecting people to try to get you screwed over out of your own rights. And it's, I tell you, it's, it's, uh, it, it, they're, they're really pulling the wool over on a lot of people's eyes. Now let's get to the reconstitution part for a minute. Now what's reconstitution. All right. Because Derek was talking a lot about reconstitution. Now in the context of government continuity and emergency management, It refers to the process of restoring normal operations and functions after a significant disruption or a crisis, right? In the context of America, reconstitution would involve the steps taken uh, to return to regular governance, right? And daily activities following a major event, such as a natural disaster, a large-scale emergency, or some other catastrophic event. Now, here's what reconstitution looks like for America. Now, there's the assessment and evaluation. So the first step in that in in reconstitution is is to assess the damage or impact causes by the crisis. Right. And this includes evaluating, evaluating the state of critical infrastructure, the availability of resources. Right. And the extent of damage to essential facilities. Then there's the the priority setting. Right. Now, based on the assessment, priorities are set to determine which functions and services need to be restored first. Now, this often includes critical services like public safety, health care, utilities, transportation, right? Then there's resource allocation, which is basically adequate resources such as like personnel, uh, equipment, funding, right, are allocated to the most critical areas to support the restoration efforts. Now, this may involve federal, state, local governments coordinating to ensure a sufficient response. Now there's the part of coordination and communication, right? Effective communication and coordination are key during reconstitution. 
and government agencies and emergency responders and community organizations need to work together to ensure a smooth transition back to normal operations, or dare I say, improved operations. Destry was saying right here, we use our covenant as an addendum to original constitution. That could be reconstitution. That's right. And then there's, then there is the uh, infrastructure repair and restoration, right? Because this phase involves repairing and restoring critical infrastructure, such as roads, bridges, utilities, uh, comm systems, right? Communication systems to ensure that they are all functional and safe for public use. Now, one nice thing that I will add here is, you know, requisition number 19, which is making sure communications do not go down. Hence why there is Starlink. Okay. So when all other stuff goes down, guess what will still be going? Starlink communications, Starlink internet, Starlink cell phones, Starlink will still be up and running. Then you got, um, you know, the recovery of essential services, right? Now, according to this, it says government agencies, right? And service providers, but let's be real. Okay. Um, with what we're trying to restore here, right? Getting back to common law and diminishing the bureaucracies, right? Getting rid of unconstitutional agencies like the FBI, like the CIA, like the DOJ, right? The EPA. These agencies are no longer needed. Then there's the economic recovery, right? Then there's community support. Then there's long-term planning, right? I mean, basically, let's just put it this way. Reconstitution is a very complex and multifaceted process that requires collaboration at all levels of the government and across various sectors. But it's all designed to ensure that following a major crisis, America can return to a state of normalcy, whatever the heck that looks like. I mean, what the heck is normal anyways? I mean, really? especially when we're trying to restore our assemblies and our republic, right? And our de jure form of governance. That's what Trump meant, that we will be back in some form. Okay. Again, pay attention to the opening, you know, song of, you know, my, my opening song of this show where Trump says we are taking power away from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. And then, you know, we keep hearing this, you know, this thing about devolution, right? What, what, what's devolution? We keep hearing devolution with regards to continuity government. And to my understanding, devolution, I guess, is essential to functioning, you know, continuity. And so with regards to the planning process, apparently, it focuses on sustaining essential government functions, right? Devolution is a method by which these uh, essential functions can continue to operate if the primary leadership and staff become unavailable or unable to function. Cue the assemblies. Cue the Continental Congress, right? The reassembled states. Devolution is a method by which these essential functions can continue to operate if the primary leadership and staff become unavailable, unable to function. Devolution can be a temporary measure such as 
during the immediate aftermath of a disaster or when primary leaders and staff, aka the de facto, may be quote unquote unavailable, right? And it can be extended measure if the primary facilities or personnel cannot be restored to operational status quickly. I mean, there's there's a few other, you know, parts to this. There's leadership succession, there's facility redundancy, and then there's emergency activation. But basically, in some, you know, summary, devolution is like a critical element of continuity of government planning, providing a framework for the transfer of authority and responsibilities to sustain essential government functions during emergencies. Now, the role of the military in all this, right, during the continuity of government planning, now that can vary by country and its involvement is typically subject to the legal and constitutional frameworks. Or in our case, the covenants and the addendums that we have to the original constitution that we have within our assembly, our national assembly. Now, the military, basically, their role here is, number one, national defense, right? Because the military's primary responsibility is national defense and security. In the context of continuity of government, the military may be involved in safeguarding the country from external threats and providing support during emergencies, which we are in a national emergency, ladies and gentlemen. And I've been paying attention, very, very close attention to what's happening in Israel as far as the uh, air traffic uh, goes. It seems to be quieting down quite a bit, but you know where I have been seeing a lot of uptick now? So over the last week and a half, we've been seeing a lot of different countries and their militaries, right? At least 25 different countries in and out of Israel with their military planes, in and out, in and out, C-130s, right, C-17s. Uh, big Stratus tankers, right, to, to help fuel uh, Poseidon uh, intelligence, you know, gathering planes, intel planes from the Navy. I mean, we're, we've been seeing so much in and out of Israel and many countries. Now, tell me, folks, if this was just between Israel and Hamas, why would we have over like 20, 25 different countries and their militaries in and out of Israel all day, every day for the last week and a half, two weeks? I mean, really? So I've noticed that the air traffic has simmered down. But what I have been noticing is we've been seeing a lot of air traffic now shift over our airspace. I've been seeing Australia. I've been seeing um, Panama. So many, right? Canada, United Kingdom. I've seen quite a few different aircrafts of military aircrafts from different countries. I saw two rounds today. I've paid attention today. There was two rounds of Gitmo planes, two planes. I caught them uh, when I looked at the flight radar. They were coming back. They were coming back from Gitmo back to Florida. And then later on that afternoon, I saw them going back south again. I was like, yeah. Keep taking them scumbags down south. Destry was saying, I wonder if those Gitmo planes have anything to do with the list from earlier today. So he sent me a list uh, that somebody sent him from the Wisconsin General General Assembly. I'm going to keep his name nameless at the moment. Um, it was from a Telegram page. Um, let me find it real quick here. Now, there's no way to vet it. I'm just going to say that. There's no way to vet it. Um, the page... What's the page called? It's from uh, Bulgaria. I think it's, mm, I don't know 
what language this is. It's either Hungarian or Bulgarian, but it's translated into English. Hold on a second. I'm just clicking on this right now. I will, I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to forward this forward to my page. So I'm forwarding this on Telegram. So you can go check it out for yourself and then you can get it translated. But basically what it says is, all right, it's already posted. And again, there's no way to vet this. So we have no way to authenticate this, but we have seen stupid ladybug. Hold on. Got ladybug trying to get in my way on my computer monitor. Um, just lost my train of thought oh like i said two planes making two different trips today back and forth to gitmo now according to this post on this page again i just posted it on my telegram so go check it out for yourself again there's no way to authenticate this but it says right here all been arrested and convicted their role in the movie is about to end mark zuckerberg founder of facebook right all right, I'm not going to go and what they do, right? Uh, but then there is uh, Cheryl Sandberg. Oh, hold on a second. I got a, had a call coming in. There's uh, Cheryl Sandberg, right? There's Larry Page or Sergey Brin, who is the co-founder of Google. Sergey Brin. If I'm not mistaken, I, I have to go back and look at the executive order 13818, but I'm pretty sure Sergey, I think, and I could be wrong, there was 13 people listed that were annexed. And I thought I saw a Sergey on there. Maybe it's a different Sergey, but anyway, Sergey Brin, co-founder and owners of Google. Um, there's Susan uh, Rozicki. I, I don't even know how to pronounce that. There's Jeff Bezos. We all know who that is, right? Ryan Roslinski, who is the LinkedIn director. Hold on a second, guys. On air right now. Uh, my friend Paul was trying to give me a call here. Well, I'll have to call him tomorrow. Um, who else here? Jeff Bezos, uh, Jim L Lanzone, uh, who is uh, ahead of Tinder, right? Then there's Curtis Strite. Um, what else here? Uh, Doug, right? There's a few other people here that some of you probably never heard of, but there's Jack Dorsey. There's Jason uh, Citron. Um now, here's what's interesting. There's a ton of people listed here, ton of people. Some of them I've never heard of. But when you get to the very, very, very end of this list, do you want to know who's at the end of this list? Do you want to know? David Lester Crooked Straight is at the very end of this list underneath Massimo Segre. That's right. And above them, there's Janet Cohenb, Raphael Jerusalemi, uh, Az Alaz Tosteri. I, I can't even pronounce these words, but yeah. David Lester at the very end. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I asked Destry, I'm like, do we know this is true? He goes, there's no way to authenticate it, but. This was forwarded to me by somebody at the Wisconsin General General Assembly. Thought <laughs> thought you'd get a kick out of that. I was like, yeah, I certainly do. 
So back to what Destry was saying here in the chat, wonder if those Gitmo planes have anything to do with those that list from earlier today. It's possible because, like I said, two planes, two trips today. That's a lot of scumbags getting taken down to Gitmo. Speaking of planes today, I also want to say this. You know what else I saw today on the flight radar? Um, according to Derek Johnson, if you see a plane that's labeled a call sign SAM and then whatever numbers, SAM apparently stands for Special Air Mission. I found that plane. It was going back to D.C. and it was coming from Colorado Springs. Now, what's in Colorado Springs? I don't know. Cheyenne Mountain. So. A lot of interesting things are taking place. We will never know on this platform, just so you know, okay? Because I'm not about to be the guy that creates that, you know, I'm not going to be accused of, oh, Jason's just spreading hopium. No, I am not. No, I am not. I am here to tell you that list that I was telling you about, it's unauthenticated. We're not sure of the truthful, factual, uh, you know, elements of it. So as more information comes out, stuff that we can, you know, back up, we will bring it forward to you. And yeah, I agree with April. That would be pretty sweet if it were true. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. But as far as the military goes and their, you know, and their role in all this, again, assistance and support. Because again, in the event of a catastrophic emergency or disaster, the military may provide assistance and support to civilian authorities. Now, this can include disaster relief and rescue operations and maintaining law and order. And then there's coordination, right? Because with continuity of government plans, it often involves coordination between civilian agencies and the military. And so there may be a designated roles and responsibilities for the military in case of a national emergency, which focus on ensuring the continuity of essential governmental functions. They are the occupying force, folks. The military's role as an occupying force in international context is distinct from its domestic responsibilities related to the continuity of government. So when the military operates abroad, it typically follows international law, right? Treaties and agreements that govern its actions. Oh, I don't know, maybe possibly the, some of the executive orders, which are worldwide executive orders that Donald John Trump put in place before he left office, as far as the public purview goes. The military establishes security and stability, right? So in international you know, situations, like we've kind of seen in Israel, military forces may be involved in maintaining security and stability in regions affected by conflict. And this is the separate aspect of their mission and differs from continuity of government planning within a country's borders. So it's important to note in all of this that the continuity of government planning primarily addresses domestic, domestic contingencies and the continuity of government functions within a nation nation's own territory, right? And the military can play a crucial role in safeguarding a nation's security and stability, both domestically and abroad, but its specific functions and responsibilities can vary widely depending on the situation and the legal framework within which it operates. I mean, look, we clearly see this as we recognize multiple countries and their militaries operating outside their own countries and within our own airspace. 
Now, again, I don't claim to know all this information inside and out. I am learning this on the fly, just like all of you. I'm doing my best to understand what's going on. I'm doing my best to try to soak this in, retain it, try to make sense of it, and to try to regurgitate it in such a fashion to where maybe this might make sense for you. Now, if there are some things that I've discussed that might be a little inaccurate, might be incorrect, feel free to correct me as long as you can back it up because I'm not always right. And I'm trying to learn this as we go as well. So, I, oh, there is one thing I wanted to read. Hold on. Michigandesure.org. Hold on. Let me find this real quick. Oh, not assembly forums. Hold on. Where did I want to go? Michigan Timeline 2018. Let me read something to you guys for a second. I've read this before. I did a separate podcast on this before, but I am going to read this again. In the month of October of 2012, okay, so we're talking 11 years ago now, we reseated our Federal House of Representatives in Senate from 1861, October 21st, 2012. So a little over 11 years ago. With succession, we established, okay, keyword, with succession, we establish a de jure Republican form of government with interim president of the United States of America. The purpose, the federal level body has a purpose to orchestrate elections under the oversight of the military per the orders. Next purpose, it's to establish a federal superior government over the de facto, which gives our military civilian authority to provide directions. Let me reread that again, because I think a lot of people just don't, they, they glaze over this one. This establishes a federal superior, superior government over the de facto, which gives our military a civilian authority to provide directions. The next purpose, any action the military takes against the de facto are covered by the orders of the de jure Republican form of government and civilian authority. Next purpose, the last purpose, this cannot be considered as a military coup. It will be considered a military upholding their oath to defend the Constitution and we the people from all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And yes, we sent all of this in registered email, including a cover letter, a new declaration of independence, which, by the way, happy Independence Day, a couple days late. That was October 21st. But orders to the United Nations, then the Navy equals Secretary of Navy, right? Council of Navy, Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Pentagon. All of this was sent to them. And yes, registered email means we have proof that they received it. And guess what? No rebuttal. No rebuttal. So we have a lot of work to do, folks. We need to get our assembly assemblies stood up. Because if we don't have our assembly stood up, guess what? I'm going to tell you who's not going to be called on to be able to take this government over, and it's not going to be the people in assembly. I can tell you that much. 
So if we don't get our act together, we are going to forever have boots on our necks for hundreds of years to come. This literally is a matter of life and death. Stop with the popcorn and sitting back and enjoying this so-called freaking movie. Stop saying, oh, the military is the only way. No, they are part of the equation, but they are not the only way. Get your rear ends in gear and get moving and stop relying on other people to do the dirty work for you. Don't rely on the people who can't list off the five branches of government or hell, even the three branches of government that's taught in, you know, the public indoctrination systems we call public schools. Destry was saying we were supposed to be done with all this in 2019. Well, guess what? AVR went and screwed all that up, that freaking Jesuit agent. Yeah. So he says right here in the chat, this is extra time for us to get our SHIT together. So let's get it together, people, because time's wasting. Time's wasting. So that's all I got for you, ladies and gentlemen, today. I hope you hear this message loud and clear. We can't be the new government doing the people's work if we can't get our own crap together and assemble 30 freaking people on a state level in 50 states, let alone have to get, you know, our uh, county assemblies and at least three quarters of our states. Start talking to people, folks. Otherwise, what are we doing? What are we doing? At that point, the military will be the only way. They're going to be the only way because they're going to be the ones governing going forward. And you and I are not going to have a damn thing to say about it. Do you want that? Militaries aren't designed to govern. The people govern. The people rule. The people created the government. You understand? Think on what we just talked about, folks, and get moving. That's all we got for you today. I hope you all have a good night, good day, wherever you're at in the world, and we'll see you back here on the other side on another day, possibly tomorrow. God bless, ladies and gentlemen.
it's done It's a similar emotion and process So just wait till the party ton We support each other, that's elevation Rise and defeat, that's the operation God gave us grace, that's a celebration While you're hearing this song across the station Wanna move forward, not stagnant, plan them So we stay steady, not random Painting a picture, candid Looks so good, you could call it handsome Gave us the power, not standard Plugged in, phantom, opera, anthem When they ask what jewels I require I say God, cause he's taking me higher Oh, 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 oh,
gentlemen. We are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. forget to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net it's time to get active ladies and gentlemen let's go Joining us here at His Heartline. 
back here next time. time.